Tonight we're going to be talking about Jesus as shepherd. So as any good preacher would do, I googled immediately the keywords sheep and shepherd. And this is what I found. A little story. A man's car broke down on a country road, and while he was peering under the hood to see what was wrong, an, a you trotted up to the nearby fence, looked over the car at the car and said, "Hmm, probably the ignition gone wrong," said the you. The man startled, ran off down the road until he bumped into a farmer and told the farmer about the crazy thing that had just happened. Well, was it a big one with the number E457 on her back? Asked the farmer. Yes, I think that was the one, said the man. Ah, uh, don't listen to her. She doesn't know anything about cars. And that was the extent of my Google research. <laughs> Please pray with me. Christ as light, illumine and guide us this evening as we look at your word together. Amen. As with priest and prophet, when we look at shepherd, we need to go to the Old Testament for context. And what I want to let you know right up front is that what I will offer to you is taken from a book called God's Design, written by an Old Testament scholar named Elmer Martins, who happens to be my dad. And as in movies or books where it says, in loving memory of, this sermon tonight is in loving memory of Elmer Martins. The Old Testament portrays God first and foremost as shepherd. That is how the Old Testament embraces God, and that is most often used to describe God as shepherd, along with provider, healer, and savior. And this wouldn't have been unusual because in the ancient Near East, shepherd was also equal to ruler, king, leader. And so that was a common reference to one in leadership. But maybe what you don't know is that most shepherds in the Old Testament were women. And we see that when Jacob meets his wife at the well, Moses protects the shepherdess and becomes her husband. So most women or most shepherds were women. A kind of fact I did not realize until I started researching for tonight, which I think is pretty cool. There are four things we're going to look at tonight in a Snapchat version that run through the Old Testament. Deliverance, community, knowledge, and blessing, and how these intersect with God as shepherd to understand how Jesus portrays himself as shepherd. So deliverance. I don't know about you, but for me, when I think of the Old Testament and shepherd, immediately my thoughts go to Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And I used to think that was a personal thing for me. The Lord Jesus was my shepherd. But when I preached on Psalm 23 a few years ago, I found out I was really wrong because that psalm is in reference to the Exodus. And so the Lord, in all caps, is also Yahweh, which, by the way, is a cool, cool breath word. You inhale and exhale like this. Yahweh. I don't know if you can hear that. 
And it's a beautiful breath word, and I used it as meditation this whole week, and it was a wonderful way to start my day, just breathing that. But I won't say it that way every time because it, like, dries out my throat. But anyway, so Yahweh is my shepherd, but the word my refers to collective groups. It could be individual or collective, community. So if I said to someone, Paul Hill is my pastor at Wheatland, the people would hear, well, Paul Hill is everyone's pastor. Or conversely, if I said Paul Hill is the pastor at Wheatland, they would know, oh, Paul Hill is your pastor. So when we say Yahweh is my shepherd, they're saying in that psalm, Yahweh is our shepherd. We shall not want. And the reference of deliverance that they're talking about in that psalm is the Exodus story of God as one who saves. And God saves in two different ways. The idea of God saves in a crisis and the one that God saves with ongoing blessing. And so the deliverance that they're referring to is God as shepherd comes in and delivers a Hebrew people from Egypt in slavery, and he delivers them from a system of evil, of oppression. And deliverance is smattered all throughout the Old Testament, but that is the one referenced primarily as Jesus, uh, God as shepherd. So deliverance, first theme. Second theme, community. So Yahweh takes this group out of Egypt and creates a community with guidelines, with, with um, these rules and ideas in place of, I'm going to create, says God, a community that is way different than the communities around you. You are going to be a role model. You are going to reflect my character as shepherd. And what this looks like is I'm going to create a community where the rich look after the poor, where the strong look after the weak, where there is a sense of sacrifice within the community, that there is not self-serving behavior, but this community is going to live in peace, in shalom, with me as God, with each other, and with creation. And so this idea of community is key. And God says in a covenant, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be your shepherd, you will be my sheep. And promises to guide them with two staffs, the staffs of union and the staff of favor. And we see that in Psalm 23, the rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The staff of union is I will create a community that lives in unity together, in union together. And the staff of favor is uh, my favor will rest upon you and I will protect you from those who attack outside. Yahweh promises to be a good shepherd. And Ezekiel 34, if you want to read about good and bad shepherds, whew, there is some stuff in there about bad shepherds because Shepherds, again, were rulers and leaders, so there were human shepherds as well. And Ezekiel 34 discusses what these bad shepherds can, uh, can look forward to, which is not good. 
And a bad shepherd is one who leads out of greed, out of power, control, oppression, arrogance, pride. Doesn't care for the less fortunate. Doesn't look after the poor and the weak, but gets what in quotes, um, rich and fat off the sacrifices, gets the best first and leaves the rest for others. Doesn't care about the lost one of the community. Every time in the Old Testament you hear about shepherds, there's in tandem, like hand in glove, a warning about false prophets. Because these false prophets were telling these bad leaders, you can also read about in First and Second Kings, Bad leaders, they're saying, go ahead. Go ahead. Go for the greed. Don't worry about the others. Get what you want. Do what you have to get what you want. Oppress. It doesn't matter. Follow the gods that enable that kind of behavior. God always warns through the, false, through the true prophets about the false ideals of gaining what you want at the expense of others. So how in the world does this community that God delivered out of Egypt, created a community, how do they know about these rules and guidelines? It's through knowledge, the third theme. The Hebrew understanding of knowledge was not just like a cognizant awareness. Like, you know, I, I know Nathan. It was more than that, it was much more. It was a knowing of shared experience and emotion. There was conversation going on. And in fact, we are made in the image of God, and there's an idea suggested that we are made in the image of one who has conversation. That is the unique part of the God we serve. The gods of the Mesopotamians and the Babylonians and the Persians, they were made of wood and stone and gold. They did not have conversation. They did not speak with their people. And so made in the image of Yahweh means we are in the image of conversation. We can share emotion. We can share conversation. God walks with Adam and Eve in the garden. They have conversation. God talks with Moses and Jacob and Jonah and all through the Old Testament again. You will see some pretty heated conversations, actually. Some emotions coming through pretty strongly. Some celebrations as well. And so we understand God saying, I'm going to create a community. You will know me as Good Shepherd because we have conversation, we have shared experience, we share emotion together. I am with you. And I love in uh, Jeremiah 31, Isaiah 40, and Ezekiel 34, Yahweh again is portrayed as one who carries his lambs close to his heart. To me, that's a pretty maternal expression, carrying a lamb close. And it also reminds me of the women as shepherds, shepherdess, carrying their lambs close to their heart. There's a very clear maternal expression of God's heart. 
coming through as shepherd. And then, so Yahweh has the deliverance piece, brings the people out, creates a community through conversation. The sheep are to know his voice and to follow his outline for this community that is to treat each other with respect and value, to look after the weak. And then he says, and the fourth theme, I will bring you into a land of blessing. I will bring you into Canaan, a land of blessing, a, a land of abundance, where you will find peace and rest. And again, my staff of union and favor will be with you. You will be united in this land. My favor will be on you in this land, this land of milk and honey, or green pasture and still water, provision. And I will give you peace and rest from all the nations around you that are attacking. You will have rest as a people. You will be able to plant. You will be able to grow, harvest, celebrate as a people. I will bring you into blessing. And I will be one who saves through ongoing blessing. The blessing, one who saves through crisis, as we saw in Exodus. And then ongoing blessing. So there's this beautiful covenant arrangement. I will bring you into this land. You will be my people. That's how it was supposed to be. That was the ideal. Until it all went south. God didn't change. The people changed. And they started going after these gods. These gods of Mesopotamia, of Egypt, Assyria, wherever. And these gods who didn't have conversation, the gods who did say, go ahead, oppress others, ignore their suffering, do what you need to do, get your power, your control. And they pursued that even with God's warnings. And finally, God is a God of choice and said, okay. If that's how it is. In Zechariah 11, it says, the prophet says, I will cut the staffs of union and favor in half. And he withdraws, in a sense, his union and favor. And that's when we heard about um, Israel being invaded by Assyria and Judah by Babylonian armies. They disperse. And it's all broken to pieces. And that's how it is for about 400-ish years. We don't hear much. And then we hear the story of a baby born in Bethlehem. And guess who's invited to the celebration party? The shepherds, women, were at this party. Men from the east, or we don't know, men and women from the east. Astronomers, a whole group, myriad of people are coming to worship this little baby. Who then grows into a man, and one day we hear in John 10, he says to his people, I am the good shepherd. And I can only imagine if you were in that story, the silence, 
There would have been shock and horror and outrage. This man, he's saying he's Yahweh. He's saying he's the good shepherd. He's just a man. And you can imagine that they were confused. And what does this mean? I am the good shepherd. And what does it mean? How do we see that these four themes are no longer constrained to a geographical area of Canaan, but they are now in a man? It is a global deliverance. How do we see this deliverance? It is now not a deliverance from geographical slavery, but in Jesus, there is proclamation that we have deliverance from our own, our own sense of greed, our own sense of hatred, our own bitterness. It moves from an external deliverance to an internal deliverance through Jesus. We are now no longer slaves to our bitterness, our self-righteousness. And not only from ourselves, but Jesus says, through my death, I will break down walls of hostility. I will deliver the systems of oppression, of, of gender, of economic disparity, of ethnicity, of people of color, all those walls of hostility will be broken down through my death. I will deliver you from those things. Global deliverance. Then he calls us to be community. In fact, Wheatland, we're here around the person of Jesus Christ. Community is happening because of Jesus. And Jesus calls us to that same idea of treating others with dignity, respect, looking after the weak, the poor, the oppressed, the suffering, just as Yahweh called the Israelite people to that community through that covenant. Jesus calls us to the same idea of community. That we look out for each other. That we do not ignore those who are suffering or those who are in need. That is the community, community that we are. And then knowledge. How do we see knowledge through the person of Jesus Christ? Jesus says, I will know my sheep and they will know my voice. What's beautiful to me is that Jesus reenacts, recreates the idea of God walking with Adam and Eve in conversation happening, an experience, an emotion exchanged. Jesus with his followers and his disciples, indeed anyone who is near him, there was exchange of experience. They saw healings. They saw demons driven out. They had experience. They had emotional exchange. There were questions. There were, there was, you know, all kinds of celebrations happening. There was sorrow that happened. There was grief. 
There was hope. There was exchange of emotion with Jesus and the followers, and we have that same opportunity today. So we do know the voice of our shepherd. And how? Because the voice of our shepherd will always, always, always call us to action of reconciliation, of peace, of restoration. Will always call us and move us and nudge us forward to caring for those who have not. To caring for those who who need that lift, that, that help, that step to journey with them. That's the voice of our shepherd. And we know that voice. We know it through the Holy Spirit. When we, when we hear it, we know it. But again, in the New Testament, every time you see words about shepherds, there's a warning of false teachers. Why? Because these false teachers were saying, no, go ahead, go ahead with arrogance, with pride, indulge yourself, don't have restraint on your desires. Do what you need to do. Again, similar to the false prophets. And Jesus, he warns, he warns against those teachers. He says, pay attention, pay attention. What is this voice calling you to do? And what is the end result of that? Is it bringing blessing, peace, reconciliation? Is it? Pay attention. And then our fourth theme of blessing. How do we find blessing? Through the person of Jesus Christ. Because in the person of Jesus, we are in Christ, Christ is in us, just as the people were led to be in the land of Canaan, where the land of blessing was. We are now in Christ, and Christ is in us. We are invited into an abundant life, provision. We're invited into peace. Jesus says, I will give you peace, not as the world gives. And Micah, he says, a shepherd for Israel out of Bethlehem and Judea will be the source of peace. Just as the Israelites found peace in Canaan, we are now invited to find peace in, in Jesus. And one of the coolest stories for me was we were in Turkey a few years ago, and a Syrian refugee boy brought a drawing, I believe he was Muslim, brought a drawing to a Christian worker who was working with refugees. And it was a person, it was a, mid, um, a Mideastern figure on a cross. And he brought this drawing to one of the Christian workers and said, I don't know who this is, but I, was, I know this is the person who's gonna bring peace to our countries. Who is this person on, a, on this cross? The Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus Christ as peace through the world. Again, not restricted to a geographical land, but through people. Globally, we find peace and rest. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Again, it is not restricted 
It is for everyone. It's for the world. And so what? What does that mean for us here at Wheatland? I just was thinking about this, and I, I feel that we have this an amazing, incredible opportunity, especially during this time where things are so rough through the pandemic and through other, other things going on. And so let us seek as Wheatland to be a community that participates in deliverance in our spheres of influence, in deliverance from evil systems, oppressive systems, where we might see bullying going on in schools, where we might see economic um, disparity. How can we help out? where we see environmental racism, where people are getting hurt because of the greed of companies and organizations, energy poverty, where people don't have electricity. How can we be a people that brings deliverance in our spheres of influence? Let us seek to be those people, and also let us seek to be a people that is delivered from our own oppressions, our own sense of poverty within, our own sense of hatred, bitterness, anger. Let us seek to be a community that looks after the poor, the weak, so that we can reflect the character of Jesus. Because after all, in that manger story, all those walls of hostility that Jesus mentioned, that, the, that Ephesians and Galatians mentions, they're all broken down right there at the birth story. You had male and female. You had rich and poor. You had people of mixed ethnicities. You had people of different color. They were all there at the manger. That's a powerful thing. That is how Jesus came into the world. And so let us also seek to know the voice of our shepherd, of Jesus, who calls us to be those peacemakers, people who bring hope. And let us find rest and peace through the blessing in the person of Jesus, our good shepherd. Amen.